Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As I just begin, um, you know, I just felt to choose a couple of verses here. I felt actually to say that in Exodus, the great I am says, I am that I am. The great I am says, I am that I am. How remarkable is that? In Jeremiah, You'll be familiar, Jeremiah 29, that same great I am says, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, thoughts for good and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. If we go into the New Testament, um, in Hebrews, of our Saviour King Jesus, it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. Later on in that Gospel of, Gospel of John, Jesus of Himself says, I am the way, the truth and the life. I've come that you might have life and life in abundance, correct? He also says in the Gospel of John, it is recorded, He says, let your hearts not be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will surely come again and receive you. He exhorts us to not tremble in fear, to not be worried. Don't let your worries overtake you, some of the translations say. And then He says, ask what you will in My Name and I will do it for you. If it pertains to My nature, if it pertains to My goodness, I will do it for you. So you know what? Tonight, as we begin conference, as we speak into the atmosphere, as I speak into your hearts tonight, I want to declare those words over you. If you hear nothing else, hear those words. Because I honestly believe that those words that were penned centuries ago are as true today as they were then. They give expression to the nature and the character of God. And that is remarkable. Amen. Do you believe it? Absolutely. All right, can I just also begin with a little story? So again, telling the girls last week that um, you may be familiar with this story, you may have heard me talk about it, especially some of the Hills girls. I think actually spontaneously one year, I kind of told you that. My spontaneous moments can be dangerous. I'd just like to apologise up front, all right? <laughs> but um, a few years back, we were hosting the Hillsong Conference in London, England. We were hosting it in the big O2 Arena, which is that huge dome that you see in London with the spikes on it, okay? So that particular year, we had invited um, Bishop T.D. Jakes and Pastor Joseph Prince to come and speak. Now, both of these men, as many of you would know, are phenomenal, awesome men of God. They are great Bible teachers. They, um, are, I, believe, I believe that they are storytellers. Um, they, are, they just are wordsmiths, right? And, you know, knowing them both personally, as we do, you know, I believe that both of those, that both of those men, the primary um, goal, the primary, their primary heart is to unveil Jesus to us. We, are, we love Pastor Bishop T.D. Jakes, right? He's, he's wild and he's, he's the bishop. And then Pastor Joseph Prince from Singapore, absolutely divine. So 
imagine with me the big O2 rally, the night is over. So the rally's over. And so what we, what we always do at conferences, we have a back room, a guest area, a little room where we kind of entertain and um, make sure that our guests are fed. Hallelujah, because that's a really good thing to do. My very first ever conference, some of you will remember, I forgot to feed my guest speaker, Holly Wagner. I literally forgot to feed her. And she's like a newborn baby. She has to be fed every four hours. And so basically, old jokes, but true. And I found her literally in her underpants and her socks in my pantry. Somehow she was like, had clued us to the idea that Brian was still in the house. But anyway, it's just like, we're all like brothers and sisters. Anyway, I find her in my pantry eating Nutri-Grain before their opening night because I had forgotten to feed her. So um, in these evening rallies, that's what we do. And so in the O2, it's not a very big space, but it's a a reasonable room. Again, we just invite um, our guests, different pastors and leaders, and we feed them. So that particular year, we had an adjacent room as well, just another little room that we thought we would use. And this room had a really big boardroom table in it. And we thought, you know what? We'll just put a little bit of food in there as well for the likes of Bishop and Joseph, just in case they need to sit and relax and just eat some food quietly by themselves. All right. So you have to imagine this room, little room, huge boardroom table. So present um, in the room was Bishop at the top of the table and then Joseph, all right, this kind of top of the table. And then there was Brian and then there was Gary. Gary Clark from London, our lead pastor's up there, and then his wife, Kathy, who was over here, by the way. Kathy Clark was there. And then at the very end of the table was myself and Priscilla Shira, who sends her love, by the way. But Priscilla obviously was speaking that year. So you have to imagine that. Brian's actually corrected me on this. He said, Bobby, actually, I was sitting between the bishop and Joseph at the time. And I'm like, oh, actually, I think you were. You know, brain's a little bit fuzzy these days. So imagine this. So Bishop and Joseph begin this conversation. This conversation with one another. They begin to talk and converse and just go backwards and forwards. And so they begin this conversation that is actually breathtaking in nature. They begin to talk and converse about the beauty of Jesus, about the magnificence of the Word, and about the goodness of God, right? So this conversation is happening, this really intense conversation with Brian apparently in the middle. (laughs) So, (laughs) so... As this conversation begins to take shape, so also does the body language in the room. The body language around the room, because basically, you know, when two people are having one of those really deep and meaningful conversations and you're privy to it, you start to feel unworthy. So the body language around that entire boardroom table, it was like we were unworthy flies on the wall as we listened quite literally to the fourth and the fifth persons of the Holy Trinity talking (laughs) about things beyond the veil. So that was the atmosphere. The body language was hilarious. I, I could be embellishing this a little bit, but forgive me. Hello, dramatic, dramatic effect. But the body language, so Brian, who I again thought was there, but apparently he's sitting between the conversation, um, his body language, he suddenly, 
becomes very consumed with his food. He's like very consumed with his food. He's like, he's like just consumed. He's like conversation. He's just consumed and he's just eating like a man who's never been fed in his life. It's like quite remarkable. And then Gary, the body language there, Gary, he also became very, very consumed with his food also. You know, where you sort of drop your head and you just start to eat. And Gary sometimes, forgive me, I just love him. He's our bestie. But you know, Gary sometimes puts this kind of zoned out look. He kind of has this zoned out look, you know. It's like earth, earth to Gary, earth to Gary. And you know, he's kind of putting out this zoned out look that says, you know, I know I look zoned out, but I'm actually listening, but I'm just pretending to be zoned out and eating my food. And then down the table, Kathy, in the middle of this amazing conversation, just gets up and walks out. She just leaves the room. Like she leaves the holy presence of what's happening. She just leaves the room, obviously to um, attend to our other guests, obviously. And then I'm at the end of the table, down the way down the other end with Priscilla, and I'm not joking, pretty much, we, our heads kind of slunk into our shoulders, but then slunk into our breasts, and we just kind of slunk down and kind of eyeballed each other, as if to say, I don't even know right now if I'm saved. <laughs> like, you know when you're listening to a conversation like that, and you're like, and then I, and I looked at her, which was hilarious because Priscilla Shira is like remarkable. And she's like, I don't even know if I'm saved either. I don't know if I'm saved. <laughs> so this was, the, this was the, the, the reality. And then here's the point. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm making this up. Bishop, um, <laughs> Bishop just leans back in his chair. And he's a big man. I mean, he's awesome. He just leans back in his chair, you know, quite literally with this look of satisfaction on his face as if he has shared the best meal with his best mate. And he literally says this, and that is the problem with the world. He said, this is the problem with the world, as we all like. He goes, this is the problem with the world. Christians basically do not sit at table enough and talk about the things of God as though it was the most natural thing in the world to do. Quite literally, we don't sit at table enough and talk about the things of God, the beauty of Jesus, amen, the magnificence of this Word, regardless of how, you, how mature or immature you are in it. You know, the goodness of God as if it was the most natural thing in the world. You know, and I thought, how true is that? Because so often we can sit and talk about everything under the sun. But when it comes to this, it becomes awkward. And so my hope as we launch into colour, my hope for colour is that this year we will sit afresh at table, whether in this room together like we are right now, or whether in our dinner breaks, or whether in our fellowship, or whatever we do, not in a weird way, people, please don't be weird, but you know, in the most natural way, and actually talk about the things of God as if it was the most natural thing in the world to do. Does that sound like a plan? Father God, this is our prayer in Jesus' name, our prayer in Jesus' name, amen? All right, 2020, who knew? <laughs> Praise the Lord. 2020, as you well know, our language is be found in the irresistible. 
wild, bright awakening. And tonight, oh gosh, I'm having a bit of a surreal moment actually standing here doing this with you all. It's amazing. But tonight I want to hover on the nature of God. I wanna speak for a moment about the irresistible nature of God. Because I doubt, truly doubt, that any one of us will ever truly experience the irresistible of God without revelation of His nature. We need revelation of His true nature and His character. So as we again begin tonight, can I present a question? Can I ask a question of you? Is that all right? This is where you say, yes, Pastor Bobby. (laughs) Yes, you don't have to say Pastor. I don't know where that came from. Amen. Um, can I ask a question? All right. So, hallelujah. Here's the question. What do you love about the Lord? What do you love about the Lord? If I was to go over here and grab a microphone and come down into the crowd, walk amongst you and just say, sweetheart, what do you love about the Lord? What would you say? Now, I'm not going to do that, so relax. (laughs) But um, what would you say? And the reason I asked that question is because I actually felt the Lord asked that question of me a few weeks back. We were in California at the end of January, and um, I was in my little bed there, excuse me, and I was like thinking about the conference. Brian, I think it was in New York at the time at our church there. And I was literally thinking about this weekend, these conferences, the beginning. I was thinking about tonight. I knew in my spirit from a long time back last year that I wanted to talk about the nature of God. But where do you begin when you talk about the nature of God? It is so profound. I think we will spend an eternity discovering, you know, the true nature and character of God. So, you know, I'm lying in my bed and I was thinking about tonight and I'm like, Father, what shall I talk about? Where shall I start? How am I gonna land this? And I lay there and I was praying for you. I was praying for this night, for last week, praying for it. And then I sort of turn over in my little bed and I put my head on the side pillow and I literally felt the Spirit of God near my ear. And I felt God say, what do you love about me, Bobby? Like, what do you love about me? And as I lay there recounting what I love about the Lord, because I found, felt Him present a question to me, always gentle, never known the voice of God to be harsh, only ever gentle. As I lay there recounting in my heart what I love about the Lord, actually resisting the temptation to jump up out of bed and write it down before I forgot, which is sometimes our tendency when we are speakers or teachers, you know, you, God begins to speak to you and suddenly you wanna write it down. And He's like, no, just linger because I haven't finished speaking to you. So I lay there and I thought, I feel that the Lord has asked me, what do I love about Him? So I'm gonna talk back to Him. And I began to outline a few things that I love about Him. And then I felt the presence of God prompt and say, you know what? Just tell the girls what you love about me and allow the simplicity of that to water their lives. So that's what I'm gonna do tonight. It's gonna water our lives by the grace of God and it's gonna water the conference, amen? All right, so I'm gonna give you three things. Everyone say three. Three things that I personally know to be true. Three things that I love about the nature of God. And the first one is gonna go on the screen. But what I love about the nature of God, the irresistible nature of God 
is that the irresistible nature of God will always hear your cry. He will always hear your cry. That is actually the first thing that I said to the Lord as I lay there on my pillow. I went, Lord, I love that you always hear my cry. You always hear my cry. And girls, I don't choose this thought lightly. I really don't. Because I know that the human cry is very, very real on the earth. I know the human cry even within this room is real tonight. <clears throat> Brian and I, we pastor a church of literally thousands of people. We do life with people. And there's been times when we have been with people who are breathless because of the cry of despair in their heart. And some of you may not believe this, but I think you will because I feel like I'm in a room full of friends. There have been times in my journey when I have been breathless because of the ache in my spirit. So I don't write that up there lightly. Three things that within this thought that I know to be true of the human cry. Number one, firstly, your cry matters to Him and He is vigilant to hear it. Did you hear that? Your cry matters to Him and He is vigilant to hear it. Second, He careth for you. He careth for you. And your cry is not beyond intervention. And third, your cry needs to make peace with time. All right, three things. You know, when it comes to vigilance, everyone say vigilance. Isn't it a good word? No, the whole room, everyone say vigilance. All right, say it with attitude, vigilance. All right, say it gently. Yeah, right, perfect. (laughs) Vigilance, all right, when it comes to vigilance. So, um... Recently, I was watching a documentary about babies. Of course I was. Um, It's a documentary on Netflix. You may have seen it, but nevertheless. Okay, I'm two episodes in. So in this documentary, this very interesting documentary, it revealed a fact about women. It says that when a woman gives birth to a child, there is a very unique part of her brain that opens up. It immediately opens up. And it's the part of the brain that causes her to be vigilant. Vigilant to her child, vigilant to their cry, vigilant to their safety, all right? As a matter of interest, the documentary said that when a man becomes a father, the same part of his brain opens also, but only one quarter. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, doesn't that explain a lot of things? I mean, what is that? It only opens a quarter. But here's the deal. The documentary went on to tell that if that father is attentive, if he is caring, if he is a little bit hands-on or a lot hands-on, that part of his brain that opens will open to exactly the same size as the mother. Isn't that remarkable? And here's the deal. Apparently, that part of our brain never closes down again. It never closes down again. I find that remarkable. It never closes, which kind of like um, explains why there's kind of a saying that says, you know, once a mother, always a mother. Does anyone ever feel like that? Once a mother, always a mother. I mean, like seriously, my children are in their, they're adults. I actually have a child, a son that is 40 years of age. How is that possible? 
I mean, how is that possible? And so, you know what? Once a mother, always a mother. Do you know what I still do, girls? I still tell them to drive carefully. I am still vigilant towards them. And they come over to the house, they're adults, and then I believe it and I'm like, drive carefully, drive carefully. And then sometimes I try not to do it. I really try not to be that controlling person, that worrisome person. And like Laura and Peter come over with the children, they're packing them in the car late at night, you know, to drive home late at night, hallelujah. And um, I shut the door and I go, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I shut the door and then I open the door and I'm like, drive carefully. Because I am still vigilant towards my children. Well, here's the point. We are created in the image of God. We are created in the image of God and vigilance is within His nature toward us. Our God is vigilant. He is awake. He is alert. He is careful and He is circumspect toward us. He is absolutely amazing. You know, on a night like night, like tonight, I just want to testify. I want to stand up here and testify to the goodness of God in my life. I want to testify to you that, you know what? God has always, the Lord has always heard my cry. He's always heard my cry. That's why it's the first thing I said to Him as I lay in that bed. What do you love about me, Bobby? Lord, I love that you have always heard my cry. He heard my cry for meaning, quite literally. When I was, you know, a young girl, when I lost my father, when my father passed and quite literally, I could not fathom that, that death would be the, was the end of such a magnificent human being. I just could not fathom that reality. So he heard my cry for meaning. He heard my cry for truth. When as a 15 year old, the world seemed shallow and without reason. At 15, it's just like it was shallow. It had no reason to it, no rhythm or rhyme. It just didn't make sense. I couldn't fathom in my young head that life existed, that life was like, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years if you're lucky. I just couldn't piece that together. Do you know, my God, let me testify, my God has heard my cry for deliverance. He heard my cry for deliverance 27 hours into labouring and birthing my monster avatar, 10 pound, half ounce, 24 inch long baby. And have you noticed, I managed to put that in every opening message. <laughs> because I am flipping proud of myself. <laughs> no, hilarious. But he actually did. And I was laughing when I was preparing this because I was like, Lord, you are so funny. You are so funny as well. But anyway, um, you know, in this Old Testament, there is actually a verse that says, blessed is the one that opens the womb. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, but what about the womb that opened for the one who opens the womb? Like, where is the prize in that, right? I mean, surely there is a prize. Don't you think, girls? Would you like to see my favourite birth picture? Christine Kane is not here. She sends her apologies. But um, would you like to see it? It's very, very special. It's my favourite. This is my favourite ever birth scene. <laughs> Have you seen this? I periodically post it on Instagram because it just makes me laugh. I mean, is that not the reality? <laughs> my Lord, it's like you give birth and then your friends and family, they come in to the room and they're so happy. 
happy and they're smiling because they haven't been on labour for 27 hours. And then, you know, they stand there smiling and you're lying in the bed going, I have no lower body. <laughs> I, ha- I have no lower body. I, I once had a lower body, but now I have no lower body. I said that to Esther when she was um, having Zion. I don't know if that was a good idea. But anyway, (laughs) nevertheless, we love Peanut. We love what Peanut does to our lower bodies. Hallelujah. But, you know, I'm just being ridiculous tonight. But I do love that God has heard my cry on so many occasions. Whether literally overwhelmed in a stretch of life, whether um, fighting the battles that come with the territory, whether fighting for family, you do realise that when we have those blessed little peanuts, that um, you know they're also going to have a life and get into trouble and, at times and cause you wonder. Praise the Lord, Hallelujah! So you know why God? God if you, yeah, praise the Lord. They just do. God bless the children. God bless those who open the womb. Hallelujah! <clears throat> and then for the rest of your life, you have to be vigilant. But anyway, praise the Lord. Praise God for them. But he's heard my cry when our family has gone through tough spaces. And some of you have heard my children speak of those tough spaces. And that doesn't, shouldn't come as a shock because we're like everybody else. We're just everyday people doing everyday life, right? Or whether, you know, um, you know, when the enemy has pressed in to steal, kill and destroy, to, um, to defile. Yeah. We have an enemy out there who loves to defile the church, the bride of Christ. You know, so he's heard our cry when we've cried out for that. And can I just say, to steal, kill and destroy and defile is not the nature of God, it is the nature of the enemy. Can we just always remember that? So I'm saying that to say he has heard my cry and if I may stand as a sister and a comrade, hallelujah, (laughs) and a Grammy, praise the Lord. If he's heard my cry, he'll hear your cry also. So when it comes to vigilance, that is the nature of God. When it comes to intervention, because I said he careth for you and your cry cry is not beyond his intervention. So when it comes to intervention, can I remind us that we worship an all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful God. We worship an omniscient, an omnipresent and an omnipotent. Try saying that three times really fast. Amen. God, He is amazing. And you know, in preparing for you tonight, you know, in those weeks that have led up to this, do you know, I have imagined every room. I have imagined the room downtown Sydney. I've imagined this room. I've imagined the rooms around the nations. And you know, I honestly believe that in every single section of this room, every single section, every single row and every single seat, He sees you. He sees you, He loves you, He feels what you are going through. He is present, He is attentive, amen? And I know that within this room, there would be a myriad of cries going up into heaven right now. You might be sitting there quietly, you know, laughing at my jokes, you know, you might be, but really there's a cry going up within your spirit, a cry ascending, a cry that maybe says, God, I don't understand. God, I don't understand. God, I'm alone. God, I'm lonely. 
God, you know, my marriage is in tatters. My children are in trouble. Father, do you not know that my finances are stuffed? You know, there's cries going up. You know, last week we had in our presence, as a great honour, we had the two beautiful women who earlier, just earlier, only a few weeks ago in Australia, lost children, lost children to a crazy pedestrian accident. One woman lost three of her children, three of her six children, and the other lost one. And those two girls came and they sat last week I don't think this is a familiar atmosphere for them. They have faith and they love God, but they worship in a different way. They're gorgeous. I got to meet and talk with with Layla. But honestly, I felt as I was saying this, I'm thinking, you know, for all their courage and courage under fire, true courage, there would have to be times when they say, God, I don't understand. I don't understand. And here's the deal. I don't either. I don't fully understand. I don't have all the answers, but God does. He does, and He remains vigilant and trustworthy in our lives. Amen. Isaiah 59.1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor His ear dull that it cannot hear. Jeremiah 33 in the Amplified says, Call to me and I will answer you. Call to me. I dare you, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. Things that are fenced in and hidden. Things that in reality you do not know. You do not distinguish yet. You do not recognise what is happening. You have no knowledge and you do not yet understand. But what does the Spirit of God say? He says, call unto me and I will answer you. He is faithful. In the message, it literally says, call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you marvellous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. That you could never figure out on your own. So when we can't figure it out, girls, what do we do? Lose the plot, implode? Or do we call out to the living God who is faithful and true because He can work out things that we cannot work out? And you know, in recent times in my life, you know, circumstances, life, people, you know, the one thing that I've come away in recent, recent times, oh, well, you know, the last 12 months or more, honestly, is that there is nothing that the cross cannot fix. There is nothing. And I've said that on occasion to my girls, and I don't say it lightly. I'm not just saying, oh, there's nothing that the cross cannot fix. No, there is nothing that the cross cannot fix in Jesus' Name. And when we don't understand and we like can't figure out and God, God's going, I know you cannot figure this out on your own. So why don't you yield to me? Why don't you lean into me? Why don't you trust me? Because I can figure it out. You know, when it comes to making peace with time, I said that at the front end, vigilance. There's nothing that He cannot intervene in. And then thirdly, I said, I think sometimes our cry needs to make peace with time. When it comes to that, I just wanna say, girls, remember, it's powerful to remember. Remember providence. Providence is literally the protective care of God. So remember, there is a God in heaven. Remember His providence in your life. I would say to you, remember the realm of seed, time and harvest. You know, we're familiar with that. We see it in Genesis, it is the realm of life. We live within the realm of seed, time and harvest. But sometimes we have to make peace with time. 
When it comes to our cry, we need to make peace with time and trust time to outwork His care, to outwork His care in your life. And that requires trust because we wanna figure it out on our own. But we have to trust time. I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed that um, God is never in a hurry? He is also never late. Have you ever noticed that His thoughts and His ways are higher than ours and more intricate in detail, more intricate than we ever knew? So here's the deal. Sometimes we go through life and we look back at circumstance where He has outworked His goodness in our lives and we go, I never knew. I never knew such intricacy was taking place. God, I never knew that You were at work here. I never knew it at the time, but You were at work. His ways are higher and more intricate than we know. Have you ever noticed that we see dimly, yet He sees clearly? Have you ever noticed, girls, that we see within the confines of flawed humanity, but He sees within the realm of perfect sovereignty? We so often just see according to our flawed humanity. That's how we see it. He's like, lift higher, lift higher. Come up here with me, lift your eyes, come up here with me. Have you ever noticed that we see within the singular framework um, that affects us? That's how we see, the singular framework that affects us, me and my brokenness, me and my pain, me and my panic. Yet God sees within this entire framework that not only takes care of you, but is mindful of everyone else in the equation. His nature is incredible. Luke 1, 37 says, For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfilment. And of course, again, we, work, we worship a God who can work an instant miracle. But personally, I feel like for the most part, those miracles are outworked in time. Time is the great revealer, Time is the great healer. I believe in many ways that time is the medium for the impossible. God just said, with God, nothing is impossible. We want it straight away. And yet sometimes God goes, I know I'm gonna work the impossible, but you just need to give time. And I wanna encourage us to allow yourself and allow others um, time and it will reveal, time will reveal a God who is merciful and faithful to deliver. He truly is. And I don't say that lightly because I've watched people panic, literally panic in their situation. And I feel like saying, you have to allow yourself time and you have to allow them time and watch God work. And I know a God who can take a sad place and make it a faith place and turn it into a good place. He really can. That is the miracle working God, amen. You know, on that note, um, I was looking up um, the word merciful and I believe that God's bent, His, His inclination, His stance, His posture is merciful. God is a merciful God. We often would first say, well, God is a gracious God. He is truly a gracious God. He's also a very merciful God. And if you've ever been in a place of trouble or trial, 
and cried out for His mercy, you're probably crying out for His mercy before you're crying out for His grace. Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, Father. And Eugene Peterson, um, I've been reading, I'm a slow reader sometimes, um, but I've been reading um, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I'm telling the girls that's been my slow burn read over summer. Um, And um, amongst many great things he says, he says, one of the greatest shocks, shocks for Christians is that life actually has challenges. Christians somehow believe that when Christ is in you and Lord of your life, that's, you're not going to have any troubles. You're not going to have any trials. Well, that's not what the book says. James certainly doesn't say that. So one of the greatest shocks is, oh my goodness, life is imperfect. Well, welcome to the rest of the world. But he also goes on and he quotes um, theologian Barth and says of this, it's going to go on the screen. Karl Barth describes God in this regard. The free inclination of God to His creature takes place under the presupposition that the creature is in distress and that God's intention is to espouse His cause and to grant Him assistance in His extremity. Because grace, the gracious love of God, consists in this inclination, God Himself is therefore merciful. God's very being is mercy. He continues, the mercy of God lies in His readiness to share in sympathy the distress of another, a readiness that springs from His inmost nature and stamps all His being and doing. It lies therefore in His will, springing again from the depths of His nature and characterising it to take the initiative Himself for the removal of this distress." For the fact that God participates with sympathy implies that He really is present in the midst, that He wills that it should not be, that He wills, therefore, to remove it. We worship a God who can walk into the mess of our lives and gently turn our face away from the mess, prove His mercy, prove His kindness, Proof is faithfulness. And I dare say some of you this weekend need a fresh revelation of that and you will receive a fresh revelation of that over the next two days. Exodus 3, 7 to 8 message says, And God said, I've taken a good long look at the affliction of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries for deliverance from their slave masters. I know all about their pain. In the Amplified, it says, I know their sorrows, their sufferings and their trials. Verse eight. And now, everyone say now. And now I have come down to help them, to pry them loose from the grip of Egypt, to get them out of that country and bring them to a good land with wide open spaces, a land lush with milk and honey. And when I read that verse, girls, I see affliction, I see cries for deliverance. I see pain, sorrows, sufferings, trials. I also see a God who says, I will come down and I will pry you loose. I am a God who will come down and get you out. A God who will bring us into a land of wide open spaces flowing with milk and honey. So here is the deal, girls. Along the way to wide open spaces, 
there are going to be times when you will need to cry out to God. But be confident of this. Have confidence that He has heard, He will hear, and He will always remain vigilant towards you. Is that okay? Amen. Number two, I believe the irresistible nature of God will always draw you to the vineyard of His goodness. The irresistible nature of God will always draw you to the vineyard of His goodness. It's the second thing I said to the Lord on my pillow. Lord, I always love, I love that you always draw me to your goodness. Three things quickly that I know to be true of goodness. Number one, goodness is a revelation. Second, goodness is a sanctuary. And third, goodness is actually irresistible. The goodness of God. It is literally, it is literally revelation. It is sanctuary. It is irresistible. So some of you would have heard me um, tell this, but growing up, I had a father who was lovely. And he always used to say, oh, of children, he would say, oh, of course you can spoil them as long as you spoil them with love. Personally, because of that revelation, I think personally that is probably why I grew up fairly secure, even though I came to Christ at 15. Um, I think it is probably why it was very easy for me to lean into the goodness of God as a new believer. It wasn't a foreign concept. And then thirdly, it's probably why my inclination first and foremost when life happens or stuff happens is to lean into the vineyard of His goodness. That is usually the first place I go. When all hell breaks out sometimes, that's the first place I go. So I'm not pumping my own trumpet here, if that's even remotely possible. Can we pump our own trumpets? (laughs) Blow, I'm not blowing my own trumpet. I'm just saying that is my testimony. Amen, but it's true. My first inclination is like to turn to the Father, to not necessarily panic, scream, meltdown, implode, chuck a wobbly, get in the car and go north. My first inclination, probably because of the way I was raised, is to lean into His goodness. You know, there's an ocean of verses that attest to the goodness of God. Psalm 119, 68 says, You are good and you do good. Teach me your statues. I love that one. You are good and you do good. Teach me your statues. And the message it says, You are good and the source of good. Train me in your goodness. How good is that? Train me in your goodness. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? I'll take that. Train me in your goodness. Yeah. Well, actually, sometimes, sometimes to be trained in something like that, you have to experience a wilderness. So it becomes a revelation. So I'm talking about goodness becoming a revelation in your life that God is good. Even when The unforeseen happens, you don't understand. God is good. God is good. It's like joy, right? It's like joy. Joy is not inherent on happiness or circumstance. Joy is usually a revelation that is discovered in the wilderness place. And you discover that there is a well of joy within my salvation that I need to draw upon. So, you know, God is is the source of, of good. Train me in your goodness. That is not a small verse. Psalm 34, 8 says, I taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Psalm 145.9 says, The Lord is good to all 
The Lord is good to all and His tender mercies are over all His works. His tender mercies are over all His works. So if we involve ourselves, if we position and plant ourselves within the works of God, all His works, His tender mercies are over all His works. Hillsong Church is not a perfect church, but we are a people who love God and are seeking to do our best. So His mercy overshadows and arcs our church, not because we're perfect, but because we have given our lives to Thy kingdom cause. We have given our lives, we are seeking God, we, are, we, we, we attempt to stay humble and pure before Him. So His tender mercies are over our church. First Chronicles 16.34, I give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. And then of course, I'm just giving you Scripture here because a sermon without Scripture isn't much more than a lot of words. It's the Word of God that transforms us, right? Amen. And then a verse that we would probably love and know about the the goodness of God is Exodus 33, where Moses pleads for God, you know it, show me your glory. And God says, all right, I will make my goodness pass before you. Moses, you wanna see my glory? I'm gonna make all my goodness. I'm gonna make my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord before you. And I love this, it says, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And when I reflected on that last week, I feel like I'm spitting. (laughs) Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'll stay back here. But when I read that last week, I thought, um, wow, you could look at the back end of that verse and look at it in an exclusive manner, as in God will show mercy on whom He will show mercy and God will be gracious to whom He will be gracious. And there are some like stinky Christians in the world who take that all out of context and look at certain people with lifestyle or whatever in their life and they're like, yeah, well, you know, judgment, you're all going to hell, excommunicate you. And God's going, I don't think so. I am the Lord God. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And if a rotten sinner cries out to me and says, save me, O merciful God, then God says, I will show mercy. He is a beautiful God, that is His nature. And I think that is the responsibility that all of us have as the church of Jesus Christ on the earth to exemplify the nature of God, to be kind-hearted before judgment, judgmental, right? And that's a... Lesson in motion for all of us, but I love that. I believe that the revealed nature of God, the revealed nature of God reveals the goodness of God. And the goodness of God reveals the sanctuary and the safety of God. And the sanctuary and safety of God becomes irresistible. It becomes irresistible to a world that is looking on and perhaps not feeling safe. And you know, let me just switch direction here a tiny bit, but our world, I believe, is full of spiritual refugees. People who are spiritually homeless, who are wandering the earth, not really knowing which direction to go in, who they truly are. They're spiritual refugees. And um, you know, they don't feel safe within the realm of their heart. They don't feel safe in the global landscape that we're living in. How true is that at the moment? And yet here we are, guys, here we are with access to the vineyard and garden of God that is magnificent and beautiful and safe and good, correct? Here is the gospel in a nutshell. 
the gospel story. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten of God, He came. He came from heaven to earth. He came and He laid down His life and He closed the great divide that had been created between mankind and Creator. He closed the divide. He shed His precious blood. He bought our redemption and He bought our salvation. And then Scripture tells us and history tells us He returned to heaven. He returned again. But you know what He did? He left the gate open. He left the gate open. He left the door open. He lit the way. And He says, come with me. Come with me. Come follow me. I feel like every time I look at this garden up here, Amen. And yes, they are silk wisteria. It's not real. It's not really the garden of God. But I feel like when I look at it, it reminds me. He came from heaven to earth. He ascended, descended into our mess. He laid down his life. He did all that I just said. And then he went home to heaven and he left the gate open. He left it open. He says, come, come with me. Come be with me. I mean, where is Abba Father right now? Father God. Okay, Father, Son, Spirit. Where might Abba Father be? Where would the Father be right now? Like, is he on his throne? Could be. I don't know. Could be on his throne. I'm sure there are times in heaven when all of heaven assembles and we worship the living God. Amen? Or maybe he gets off his throne every now and then. Maybe he goes into his garden. You know, sometimes we've got to use our imagination because our God, it's like, where is Papa? Where is Abba Father? You know, he's in his garden. Gates open, off you go. Like sometimes we need to just follow him, amen? And I think that garden is beautiful and it is bright and it's irresistible and gorgeous. Team are gonna join me. And then the third thought I have is um, I believe that the irresistible, of na- the irresistible nature of God will never relinquish his belief in you. He will never relinquish his belief in us. Three things I know to be true of belief. Belief reminds us. Belief always reminds us. In this case, he is reminding us that we are royal daughters of the Most High God, alive for such time as this, correct? 40, 20, um, 24 years we've been gathering to remind ourselves of the belief of heaven. So belief Reminds us, second belief is unstoppable. When you have a belief, conviction in your life, you are unstoppable in that cause. And I think belief is also childlike and it needs to remain childlike. So this room tonight, if I may, and I'm only gonna go for a couple, of, couple more seconds. This room tonight, I'm gonna speak it out over you, receive it. This room tonight is full of kick butt women. You are kick butt. You got yourselves here. When all the world is saying, stay away, you got yourself here into the presence of God. You made the plan, you organised your families, you took the effort, you got here. You are kick butt women. You are strong, you are capable, you are intelligent, you are bright, you are smart, you are gifted, hallelujah. You are innovative. There are innovative women in this room. There are courageous, creative women in this room. There are women in this room and you are anointed. 
You are anointed. You are smeared. If you have a heart after God, if you are open to the Spirit of God, you are smeared. You are anointed already. You just got to stir it up. And you know what? This room is full of sassy women. Amen. I mean, I said that over my girls at our Sisterhood United night last November. I said, you are sassy. And they're like, we're so sassy. They never heard anything I said after that. They were just like sassy. But you know what? I feel that the Spirit of God would say to us tonight, and don't you forget it. (laughs) Don't you forget who you are. Do not forget who you are. Do not forget that you are my royal daughters, alive for such a time as this. Do not forget that you have been called to behaviour that is royal. I'm not talking about like Kate and William and Harry and Meghan right now, okay? They are earthly royal people. But I'm talking about kingly royal people. We are daughters. If there are sons in the room, we are sons and daughters of the living God and we've been called to a royal behaviour on the earth to exemplify something magnificent by the grace of God, amen? And I feel like the Spirit of God would say, and don't you forget, don't you forget loving girls, don't you forget that I've waited a long time for an invasion of grace on this earth that can be carried by multitudes not just a random remnant over here through the centuries, but a church, a living, breathing, risen, rising, triumphant church, hallelujah, that can carry an invasion of grace to a lost and dying world. Don't you forget it. So as our open conference tonight, can I remind us, He has unrelenting belief and confidence in us and all we need to do is believe in His belief. We just need to believe in His belief and step up, amen? I'm gonna read a verse that was quickened to me somewhere in recent months. I don't know, I wrote it down for tonight. In John chapter 12, Jesus said, He's talking to His disciples, He's about to leave. And He says, He he replied, "'You will have the light shining with you "'for only a little while longer. "'While you still have me, walk in the light "'so that the darkness doesn't overtake you.'" For when you walk in the dark, you have no idea where you're going. So believe and cling to the light while I am with you so that you will become children of light. And he was talking of his own presence amongst them. He was leaving. He said, you're only gonna have me for a short while. And I don't know what that looks like in 21st century, 2020. I don't know what that looks like. But you know, the Bible says, whilst it is still day, whilst it is still a day of salvation, walk in the light become children of light because He needs us to, amen? And so I'm gonna finish here, but I wrote down another, the third thing that I believe of um, this unrelenting belief that God has, this belief that He will never relinquish is that we need to remain childlike. Belief is childlike. And I believe the Lord would have us to be childlike. So I wanna encourage us to be childlike, like baby Ella up here on the screen as she, tippy toes and reaches to step into that beautiful chair that is quite royal looking to me. Sometimes we have to stretch and tippy toe like a little person. Do you love that? <laughs> I couldn't resist it. Absolutely beautiful. She wasn't sure about brave because she's only a baby. She doesn't really know what that means. She wasn't sure, like some of you in this room are not sure if you're brave. Are you brave? I absolutely love it. It's childlike, 
but it's who we are. Do you want to say it again? Because you can't watch that once, right? Watch it again. And that's the truth. You are Daddy's favourite right now. You are other Father's Daddy's favourite. And don't you forget that, amen? Why don't you close your Bibles? Close your Bibles and put them down on the floor. And in the final moments of this um, service tonight, we're just going to take a few more moments, but um, we're going to break bread together. We're going to share communion. And it's our habit to do that at Colour. We do it at different times and in different ways. But tonight, I'm going to invite you to receive communion, to open your heart. We're going to break bread together. So in a moment, Brooke is going to come and lead us. Our team are going to serve you. Take the little cup, hold it. You're welcome to receive communion with us. All you need to do is just open your heart and just consider this living God. Because Jesus said when He broke bread with His disciples, He said, do this in remembrance of me. I've been talking about the love of God. So even if you don't know the love of God, if you're not familiar, you can still um, consider what I have been saying to you. And then I'm going to come back in and together we're going to open the wafer. We're going to receive of the bread. The Scripture says, Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. It's an emblem, it's symbolic. But we're going to receive and we're going to remember this awesome sacrifice that He made for us. And then the cup, we peel it back again and the cup is there. And Jesus said, this is symbolic. This is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And here's the deal, girls. Um, I'm not religious by any means. I'm full of faith. But um, every time I choose to receive communion, I often have it in my lounge room. I have a whole stack of them in my fridge, actually. <laughs> but every time I break bread, um, things become clearer. It just becomes clearer. And um, I just pray that it'll be a blessing to you, amen. So allow these guys to... Um, to lead us for a few moments. And then when you receive the cup, why don't you stand to your feet and we'll do this together, amen? Amen. Has everyone been served? I hope so. Amen. All right. So um, why don't we just partake together? Remember our amazing Saviour King. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving us, for dying for us, for welcoming us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that one day we're going to see you face to face. But in the meantime, we choose to remember and we choose to love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I love the sound of them crackling open across the room. It kind of sounds like Christmas. <laughs> but it is actually like Christmas because the um, Son of God was given, hey? If you're in the room tonight and, you know, there's a cry within your heart for relationship with the living God, perhaps you've never known that you actually could have relationship with the living God. Perhaps no one's ever told you that there's a God in heaven who loves you, that there's a Son, the only begotten Son of God who came so that if you believed in Him and leaned into Him, you would have everlasting life. Perhaps you never knew that you actually needed a Saviour. Now the truth is, and this is no lie, every man, woman and child needs a Saviour. We need a Saviour. This life is but this long and then we enter into eternity. And we need a Saviour because we're all sinners in need of redemption. 
Well, you could try to figure that out and have opinion about it, but we're all sinners in need of grace. We're all sinners in need of a Saviour. And Jesus Christ came. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can actually come back to the Father except through me. He is the only way. And you know, when you uh, allow that to resonate within you, it becomes truth. It becomes truth in you and it will lead you home. It will lead you home to heaven. If you need peace in your heart, you don't have peace, you don't have meaning, you do, there is travail of soul, it's like this cry, surely there's more to life. Well, there is, His name is Jesus. And if you allow Him to knock on the door of your heart, and if you open your heart, you will realise that He is the door through whom we walk. And He will lead you into wide open space. He will cleanse you, forgive you, make you a new creation. That's what the Bible says. You'll become a new creation in a heartbeat. So tonight, if you would like to open your heart and allow me to lead you in a prayer, I'm going to pray a prayer. We're all going to pray it together. And um, if you mean it from your heart, if you're sincere, your heart is reaching for more. You're reaching for the living God. Um, follow your heart. You don't have to understand it fully in your head. Just follow your heart. And in a heartbeat, the living God will draw near to you and do what He says. Amen. So should we pray together? Can we do that, girls? Can we all pray? Amen. So many in the room, this would be your testimony. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, tonight I come to You in the Name of Your Son, Jesus. I open my heart to Him. Lord Jesus, Please come into my life. Please cleanse me and forgive me and make me the new creation that I am. Lord, I open my heart to You and I receive of Your grace and Your goodness and Your forgiveness and Your mercy. So thank You, Father, for this gift of life through Your Son. Thank You, Father, for the Holy Spirit who has drawn me to this place. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Father, I thank You for every woman who has prayed that for the first time or in a redevotion of her life. And Lord, I pray that that decision will seal something magnificent within her heart. Lord, I pray that as she has prayed with sincerity of heart, that Lord, You have heard her. And that as is the testimony of so many of us in the room, there will be a new awakening, a new understanding, a new revelation. And she's gonna leave this place feeling like a burden has lifted from her shoulders. She's gonna to wake tomorrow and the world is gonna feel brighter and more correct in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.